0: Hi, uh, welcome to another episode of Revolution RN. I have a good friend of mine, Kendra Northam. Kendra is a nurse leader that I very much appreciate. She currently works as a cardiology nurse here in Eugene. She is on the PNCC at her at our local hospital and won the award of 2019 Healthcare Worker in Eugene Weekly. Is there anything I missed? Currently,
1: I'm... Our unit-based council chairperson on my unit, the cardiopulmonary unit um, at Riverbend.
0: That's right. When? How long have you been doing that?
1: I started being a chair as of this this January, so it's just been a few months. But I've been a member for a year, over a year prior to that. I ha- I've been on some other committees in the past. Uh, or a little task force as well. First time being the UBC chair, which is a big learning curve, but it's a good one.
0: Yeah, yeah. how's that going? That's congratulations by the way, that's cool.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's going well. It's It's been interesting being in the middle of the COVID situation. I've had to hold off on a lot of momentum uh, in the past month or two. At the same time, my unit, um, and we'll, we can go in more details later, but my unit's actually done fairly well with the COVID situation. Uh, we have not had to take any of those patients. If anything, our, our census or patient amount has dropped a lot with how they changed, um, not doing the elective procedures right now, or they're starting to. So that's actually given us more time and hands on deck to start focusing back on some of our unit projects. That My goal of being the chair is really getting all my members really super active and um, engaged and hands on with what we're actually doing and not just showing up for meetings and talking about stuff actually having everybody be you know participating at least in one or two projects on the unit because I'm, I'm kind of a get things done kind of person when I can't be and as a chair oftentimes a lot of the work ends up landing on you to do I'm finding unless you can really help start getting fires burning under people's buns to to be part of it and a lot of that's just project managing which I've never had to be a part of before but I'm learning how to do that and it's it's going well um, all my members think that I'm very organized, <laughs> which is good. I didn't I wasn't sure. I thought maybe they were thinking I was a little overbearing, but uh, just trying to keep things organized and following up with the different groups that have signed up to different projects and checking in to see where we're at with those. So learning a balance of not bugging people too much and you know not harassing anybody over you know these little projects, but also you know keeping people accountable. And learning my communication skills in that, <laughs> it's been interesting and good so far. I think it's going well. There's certain people in leadership, and I find myself as one of these where it's almost like we're not very confident, <laughs> and and we need to check in with our pe- our peers and people often to make sure we're not stepping on toes. So far, the feedback is good.
0: <laughs> are you like? Are you saying like stepping on people's toes, like giving them too many extra tasks, additional tasks to do?
1: Yeah, and and maybe just you know, everybody has different communication styles. And I tend to be one where I want to get everybody engaged. And on the same page, I will, will do group texting, we'll do group emails, stuff like that. And I'm sure so far, everybody seems to be okay with it some more than others. But I'm just trying to find that balance of what's too little, what's too much when I'm doing communications like that with my group and finding out one of my things is I'm, I tend to be long-winded and circuitous in my communications and I'm trying to learn how to hone that and narrow myself down on emails especially and describing what's what I'm doing what needs to be done who's involved what you know what the project is about and be more concise with my communication yeah just little things like that and just feeling other people out and understanding how they communicate best and and being willing to make sure everybody's getting getting that attention that they need differently so if somebody really hates being in group text, I will respect that and contact them independently. If they have certain time frames that they don't want to be flooded with, you know, messages or emails, I'll try and respect that, you know, as long as, as I'm aware. So I just, I'm trying to keep a really open dialogue with all the members and making sure everybody's needs are being met, but that we're going to set stronger ground rules on what our UBC is going to be membership-wise functioning like and what the expectations will be. Because over the years, our UBC has... Been pretty strong, but uh, there's no like documentation or like structure that you can find on how we should be functioning. And so when we get turnover of members, I'm trying to create a process where you know if I, whenever I step down from being chair or if I just want to leave the group or whatever happens, I want to be able to hand off to the next person who's going to be chair or co-chair and just to the members in general a uh, really easy way to here, this is what we've been doing. You can keep doing it this way or you can decide to do it differently, but this is, these are ex- expectations. Here's what each member should you know, strive to be doing and be part of, and this is the expectations of the chairperson and you know, the unit manager and assistant manager and how, how it all interrelates and all the different things that we work on because we've actually had a big turnover on our membership and just on our unit. In general um, of staff and there's a big learning curve uh, a lot of awesome nurses are on our floor but a lot of them are new grads or younger nurses and it's awesome because their enthusiasm is great but you know they, they want they're looking to folks like me who have been there for a long time for structure and me going into this position recently kind of looking for those pieces like hey we have a set binder that has all these expectations or what's going on. And we, we didn't really have anything like that. And I'm not sure how other units do it, but I'm kind of feeling like I'm working from the ground up uh, on that process. Our previous chair was really great. She got a lot of stuff done and it was during a very, very tumultuous time on our unit where our leadership changed over too. So she did a graceful job in getting us through that. But um, as far as like, okay, now that's moved over. Now we need to be a functional group again. That's what I'm trying to get um, more organized and so a lot of people are, are appreciating that because we really didn't have very good structure on that. So a lot of things like what are our guidelines that our unit, unit's supposed to be doing is kind of a he said, she said thing. Well, I think it was this way. I think it's that way. And I'm like, where is this written down? Do we have any documentation of this? And we didn't. So that's something I've been working really hard on getting, you know, with our contract language included on each document and having expected times throughout the year that these get reviewed and looked at. So that way, I can hand it off to the next leader, UBC chair, and be like, "This is what we do. Here's the timeframes. Let's keep it up."
0: <laughs> yeah, just getting those, or like all—it's like getting all that stuff in place so that you don't have to re-spend right. time on it, reminding yourselves how to do it that next year, or even the year after, or if yeah, like you're saying, what there's is a big change Right. Yeah, that's great that you're doing all yeah. that work. It's, well,
1: it's stressful it's, for you know anybody who who would take over this role to not. Really fully understand how it functions and what your purview is, um, unless you've seen it, you know, if you've been a member a long time and you've seen it. And, you know, with just how our structure at the hospitals has changed as far as their vision and the transformational leadership and the whole uh, shared governance and whatnot, the nurse practice council involvement. Uh, which is good because it it's going to give all the units hopefully similar structure, but it's that's still in, a work in itself too. And pa- practice leader Seraphim, she's doing a great job with that, although that's been on hold right now with the COVID. But um, it's still you know kind of green. It's still new, so. So in the meantime, I've just been trying to keep it organized because I think it's really important for a healthy a unit to stay healthy when you have a healthy, functional, strong unit-based council that the other staff can look to and get answers from and feel supported by. And it keeps people involved and more interested than just showing up to their you know daily shift and leaving. We lost a few members recently and within weeks, you know, two or three weeks, I filled those positions right back up with more interested members. So it's, our unit always stays very active with membership, which is really good. And it's exciting. It's just there's a lot of work that we want to get done. And there's a lot of stuff that will take a very long time to get done. <laughs> but just learning the patience around that, too.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're that, yeah, your unit specifically, I just remember that. I mean, it seems like historically they are just always <laughs> very active in either being in leadership, uh, supporting. Mm-hmm nurse voice at the hospital whenever we're advocating for, you know, our self-care, our patient safety, our ideal level of care. It's, it's really awesome. Like, do you, do you have anything to say about kind of the place it's, I mean, that's the place that raised you, right? That's where you started, right?
1: Yeah. I, so I've been nursing for, I'm going on 11 years come September and I started on OHVI-5 the cardiopulmonary unit back in 2009. So I've been there, that's been my home unit unit since day one. I even did two terms of my second year nursing school on that unit. So even longer, really. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, so, and I've always wondered about venturing into different units. ICU went out, but for those first, you know, five, six, seven, eight, just in the past two years, there's been a lot of changes. But prior to that, our unit was known for having the highest retention of staff uh, for the longest time and the least turnover um, of all the units, I believe in the hospital there. And uh, we had some really, really strong, knowledgeable expert nurses. And like you said, yes, our reputation was known for being pretty um, vocal, outspoken in a good way, supportive of nurses on the ground, you know, our union and basically not being a pushover, you know, we'd collectively speak up. Um, Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And as a new nurse, going into that and that was the norm where we also had a manager who was very, very supportive of us um, while still respecting being a manager and, and, you know, doing that work. It felt really easy to flourish as far as being a new baby grad nurse at the time, growing your wings quickly, uh, really great critical thinking skills um, were passed down and you felt supported because, because of the culture there, at least most of us did. But our leadership changed over in the last year. It's been a little bit over a year where our manager is no longer there anymore. And that really caused a big rift on our unit. At that time, we had some of those nurses already close to retirement or had just retired. And and losing our manager made a lot of those nurses. Uh, The other expert ones um, decide to go elsewhere or to even retire. So honestly, I, I actually the other day, I went to my shift to start and I looked around and I realized every nurse and CNA there looked younger than me. <laughs> I'm 33 years old. <laughs> and uh, um, I mean, there's a few that have been there for a long time still, but just a small handful of us, you know, that have been there over 10 years, maybe just a tiny handful that have been there 20 or plus years. But the rest, I mean, young, young nurses and new nurses, and they're all great, but it's, shifted the, the culture for sure for right now, I, you know, there's a lot less of that knowledge that, you know, came with the nurses with the previous experience, knowing what, what they've come from, where what's happened in the past and how, you know, sometimes we have to get really organized in our union to speak up, especially during negotiation times. Now we have this whole new set of nurses there. I mean, even the doctors are coming to me going, oh my gosh, a face I can recognize. You know, I, I, they go, I don't know who any of these staff are. And I'm like, well, some of them have actually been here five or six years, but they're like, oh, it just feels like everybody's so new. I say, well, we have a lot of new people. They're all really great. But um, yeah, there's this kind of lost knowledge of the his- history that we've gone through and that could go either way, honestly. I think it's great to get new eyes on things and that fresh kind of enthusiasm, but um, oftentimes, you know, and we've seen in the past where large groups of new nurses come into a unit and get taken advantage of, or don't fully rights in our contract or. or... Yeah. It's almost
0: like both ways too. You know, like it's, it's almost like you're, you're afraid to say something when you first start, you barely know what you're going to do. Right. So you're, you know, you're easily, it's just, it's not a, comfortable place when they're there right and then yes and then man it's it's hard it gets like that that dynamic of a person who has power to like Mm -hmm. you know of influence they can really it can go so many different ways right yeah and
1: I'm trying really hard to not be one of those overly you know cynical jaded (laughs) you know like well back in the day you know (laughs) because I realized if I was a new nurse coming into this right now especially right now with all the changes and everything. I think it would feel pretty discouraging to just to hear all the griping and problems of how things are or how things were better. And I do catch myself sometimes talking about, well, back then, things were really good because then it's that. And I'm trying to shift that mentality for myself so I don't burn out so fast And and more trying to verbalize and recognize what is good right now and with the staff that we have right now and how they bring a lot to the table. But also just giving little hints, drops and hints and being available to these members, CNAs and RNs, like, you know, here's something that could potentially happen in the future. Or if you ever feel like, you know, some something ominous or bad is occurring or not right, just talk to me or I can forward you to our reps or, you know, the proper channels to make sure that you're not being taken advantage of or that you understand what your rights are, you know, just trying to drop little hints like that, like, because you don't know what you don't know, <laughs> especially in a newer place, in a new field. And the first thing new nurses are thinking are, you know, just don't kill your patient, <laughs> do the right things. Yeah. But I just, every now and then just check in with people and just say, you know, if you're ever feeling any concern of any type or feel like you're burning out for some reason, just come to me, come to the PNCC, come to, you know, our own executive team and our reps. If you feel like there's something that, is happening that you should you should speak up about you know, and not sure if you should go to leadership yet you know, so and by leadership I mean hospital leadership. Yeah, yeah, and because I don't want to scare off all the new people, but I like them to be aware that that they they shouldn't keep their mouth shut forever you know that that they have a right to speak up, so I'm just trying to keep that part of our culture still alive on our unit. But again you know it it takes the culture itself like if if it becomes a group that they are totally fine with having their contract walked all over in the future, uh, despite some of us speaking up. If if it, it takes a village, you know. <laughs> so if, if if we have too many people that don't care or don't want to ruffle any feathers, then that's just how it's going to be, you know. Until until everybody or the majority can get on board. So
0: so yeah, think- when they're compromising compromising their practice, right? Then they're they're compromising each other's practice right
1: and sometimes it takes a group to f- finally see you know the ball you know rolling uh maybe in the wrong direction for for people to finally speak up as you know collectively so at this point nothing is bad on our unit um we have an interim manager who's actually really great We're, we've been trying to convince her to stay <laughs> I, I don't know what's going to happen i don't know when when her contract is up or if it is anytime soon but it is it's already feeling like a second, secondary devastation to our unit because we we've grown to really like her and we know she can't stay. So so we're just like, okay, what's next?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it's something like I mean, you could I guess you could point out, or at least when we work in a place that when a, a new manager comes in, a lot of times we get to interview them,
1: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or
0: sometimes at least participate in it in some way. Sometimes the hospital does it. Sometimes uh, our uh, labor gets to do it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes rarely, with, right. I guess, right? But um, in that situation, you can kind of, I mean, it, it gives you a chance to see like, oh, well, I—you now you've had two or you've had good examples of people that have taken leadership roles in your area and then just kind of recall what were the good parts of that and just so Yeah,
1: definitely. Make and um, that,
0: make that ask.
1: Right. Um were you did you go to the on a leadership training thing a year or two ago
0: up in i did i did you were there
1: okay i was there too yeah i
0: did that yeah i did that two years ago that's right that's right no no i no, i guess it was a, it was a year ago was it yeah I finished it. A year time ago. is uh-huh. really strange these days <laughs> i can't i have that. no idea what day it is i
1: know i almost <laughs> didn't realize right. so i actually pulled up um the four styles of leadership styles that we had talked about at that session. And cause I, that was the first time I had really heard that before. I mean, I've heard other examples of leadership styles and whatnot, but that was the first time I had heard those four categories and how we did the little test, which you could see where you more heavily fall towards mm-hmm. the four styles. And let's see, what is it? The action driver driven person. And then there's the analytical, more logical person and the, the amiable more um, people person. And then there's the expressive and ideas and more visual uh, leadership yeah. person. I definitely fell heavily in the expressive <laughs> ideas. Uh,
0: yeah. Person.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, I can do uh, that. yeah, which, as you've seen over the years, I, I make a lot of posters. I make a lot of visual things. That's just my change. You make a
0: lot of impressions. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that too is it's very much good impression. Yeah. So it tends to be sociable, enthusiastic. Little impulsive though, um, and then my next one that I fell into is the amiable and then the analytical one. But I thought that was really a cool little test thing that you can see where you land. And then I liked how they had the sections that then showed, okay, if you are more dominant in these, this is how you know you tend to work with the other type, you know, of, of leader, and what the pros and cons are there or where the tendencies towards miscommunication are or the you know the good communications versus the bad and that was really helpful for me because i realized my old ubc chair sarah she she's an amiable person through and through she's amazing like people just look to her and are calm and just feel nurtured immediately and she just brings a sense of group like everybody let's be in this together you know <laughs> good and bad yeah. she, you know she she never was driving wedges anywhere um very much that kind of mother Teresa <laughs> kind of thing and as i was the co-chair at the time and it worked really well because she was such a good leader in that way kind of a i don't know just in the art way <laughs> and i was yeah
0: asked. a complimentary way
1: right? yeah i was kind of i was really good honestly at that right hand woman Um, expressive ideas person, get things done, kind of the more forward voice when she wanted to be more of the let's be all together and not drive any wedges between each other kind of voice. Um, And it actually, our dynamic worked really well. And so it made me really nervous to be the UBC chair, because it was like a whole different type of leadership, you know, style coming in, which my group wanted that, you know, they wanted somebody who's going to be a little bit more, let's just get, get these projects pushed out. Let's, Let's push, you know, our leadership a little harder on, you know, getting more budget for this and that, you know, so it worked out well, but I, I really look at the other styles of leadership that we all have parts of, but where maybe I'm a little less in and trying to figure out what are good ways to practice some of those other styles, because everybody responds differently, depending on where they land in that. And if you can understand that language and that style of how people function um, and at least meet them there kind of like love love languages, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah.
0: And I also think like, it also helps you realize that, you know, you may not, you may see that more out, out, I don't know, like expressive, outgoing person is like, that's like a leader. And then mm -hmm. when you realize, you know, maybe you're more of an introvert, you'd kind of just sit behind and like speak when it's time. Mm -hmm. And then you realize with those types of evaluations, of course you were all over the spectrum, but you know, you can see that oh i can be a leader mm-hmm. these are my strengths yeah, yeah. and then yeah. finding and then and then when you're at a group like your unit base it's like oh those people are complementary and we are all leaders yes. working together
1: yeah and i really like that it's realizing everybody will have a more dominant style but they do every style of personality has really great um components into into leadership and those dynamics that you have to have all of those in order to get this type of stuff done um, and to stay like an active group that's engaged. Because if you just have one leader, that's always just one way and it never changes, you know, and and nobody else gets a voice in it, then the other people that don't speak that language or, you know, understand it, they're not going to take that seriously. You know, they're not going to want to be led by that type of person. So it's a big learning curve, honestly, for me, because I tend to just want to get stuff done and think everybody's on board. <laughs> and now i yeah. like, not everybody's right on board. You have to, to kind of win people over and get their input, obviously, you know, and, and make sure everybody's needs are being met as best possible and being heard, yeah. being heard is important. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think one of the great mess, we, it was when I took the nurse uh, leadership Uh, institute course through our our professional association and they had this like how do you what the most effective way to lead is to think of that well what what's the thing you're trying to accomplish and ask continually ask why 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 do you want this thing Mm -hmm. and then to get to that like bigger sense of what the purpose of your ask is for Mm -hmm. so that way when you're expressing your ask the broader, the more general good it's doing mm-hmm. for it. It's more inclusive, and so when you're expressing your ask for that, it reaches more people, and then more people are willing to work with you, follow you, uh, lead with you. Oh, totally! And I think it's just so great. It was they used the uh, the "I Have a Dream" speech. I thought it was mm-hmm. just uh, such a good. That's. I mean, the best speech out there. I swear. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Yeah. yeah,
1: and i I think that's really important for especially our hospital. Leadership to understand. I know a lot of our hospital administration is. Some of them are new to that those roles. Some are, have been in those roles for a long time. And again, they all have different styles. But I've really noticed, as of this last year, with certain work that the PNCC has helped work with, directly with our CNO and other leadership there, <laughs> that you know there there was this big gap that we. We didn't really understand what was going on and why why that was going on, but we kind of helped expose that there's this gap with a lot of the hospital leadership in their communication style or I don't know, just, yeah. just stuff like that. Not all of them, but but a lot of them. No, no. some from the past.
0: Yeah. A lot of them are great. Yes,
1: yeah. exactly. But some, you know how that you know, people just become complacent because they feel like they can't Affect any change with when a leader is a certain way and hasn't changed despite people speaking up about it. Nurse, you know, is actually yeah.
0: Sometimes I worry Sometimes I worry about them because like <laughs> some of them are like, oh yeah, I work sixty hours a week, and right. they they're they somehow like taught that they take pride in it, and I'm like, no, you're not taking care of yourself. Right. right? You're not able to like take the time to reevaluate what you're right or you're doing for yourself. Which has you been important I mean? too
1: is um, getting you know not just immediately being angry at you know, certain leadership styles or leadership, but understanding like, yeah. oh yeah, they have lives too. And we don't know what's Good going on. Yeah. But understanding that if we have a better open dialogue about these things, um, maybe we can be more empathetic towards each other on <laughs> that, that way. But that being said, you yeah. know, our CNOs had to really be more available and open to hearing these things from us and understanding where these gaps are. And um, she, she was actually having... All the leadership folks, including I think down to charge nurses, if they wanted to and were available, to go through certain leadership training that had to do with more anti-bullying and in- incivility training or anti-incivility training and yeah. understanding more of these styles of leadership.
0: Yeah, you. Yeah, you saw that. Did you go to that uh, presentation by the Oregon Board? Oh yeah, about yeah, bullying? Ruby J yeah. yeah, yeah. You want to uh, you want to uh, explain what that was a little bit? For sure.
1: So. Um, Ruby Jason, she is a, that's the first time I had met her and even heard of her, but I would call her like a nurse of all nurses. She came to our hospital. She was invited by Heather Wall, our CNO, to come talk with leadership, plus down to charge nurses and included some of the staff nurses um, in certain committees, such as the PNCC, which I'm part of, the ONA executive team, and some of those other major councils and committees to talk about and hear her presentation on uh, bullying, and civility, and how toxic culture in our hospital facilities can happen and why they happen and how to try to get, you know, nip it in the bud and get rid of those toxic cultures. And this stemmed from just a lot of complaints coming forward, not just from staff, nurses and CNAs and other staff, but from patients and family members that were, were bearing witness to some not great things. I mean, she mentioned that in her conversation with us. Um, Wow.
0: I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I mean, it's, it's like that. Right. I I, I think a lot of people just aren't familiar with, with what bullying is and Oh, sure. Some nurses just don't know what, what to look for sometimes. Right.
1: And, and she did a really great presentation on, you know, with the slideshow PowerPoint and everything that defined exactly what these things are. And one thing I guess I didn't even realize is uh, the definition of bullying. It's, it's, it's actually not just an isolated incident that you know somebody does something mean or says something rude or um, a behavior that's disruptive times one. You know, if it's just a one-time thing, usually you can let it go. And if it doesn't continue, it's usually not a problem. Um, or you can talk to that person and it's like, oh, just haven't they just had one bad day? But um, bullying and incivility are they're seen as real, like true incidences of that if they're repetitive repetitive type actions and behaviors or things coming from a certain group or certain person or um, where the culture there is continually being and being allowed to be in a certain, not great way in a negative way. So that was interesting because sometimes I think people will experience a one-time threat or incident where they're like, I was bullied, you know, that one time, but they actually, the definition is actually it needs to be repetitive, not saying a one incident should be ignored but usually those can be reconciled pretty easily. We're kind of like, okay, brush off the shoulder. We've all had bad days. But if you know, if
0: you have that one person, yeah, that, some people have bad days. Yeah, but just, if you have one person, environment, funny, yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah, and, a, and an apology is is good. Exactly.
1: So she talked a lot about just the true definitions and why you know the repetitiveness is what becomes allows for a toxic culture if it's not being addressed, and that it comes from all sides. Um, she did a really good job. And I'm sorry, Ruby Jajun, she she works for OSBN and she described herself that she, and I I respected this so much because she, you know, was anywhere from CNA, you know, and a floor nurse from long ago. And then had been Mm -hmm. and tried out all the different positions and roles that you could come up with, with, you know, nursing. So she's been, you know, anywhere from the floor staff person from way back when up to, you know, management um, or charge nurse management, C- CNO, you know, the whole works. Um, so she, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. So she, she knows what bullying and incivility can look like at every level. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a huge, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I respected that she came with that perspective. Even, you know, the CNO or the top dog person could be a victim of oftentimes a bullying from even say a CNA, you know, we don't often think of it going that direction, but, cause it usually doesn't, (laughs) but, but that bullying can happen on every level and, you know, doesn't matter what it is, but it's not okay. But it's especially not okay if it's coming from leadership, the people with that title on their name, the people that are held to a different standard, honestly, I mean, nobody should be bullying, but they're the ones that set the culture our workplace and they have to be more responsible and accountable for ensuring that that is not allowed to happen, that it's being taken care of, that we're being listened to and heard. So she, she did a really good job presenting both sides of the story and not pointing fingers at any one type of worker or person or anything, but recognizing that our hospital has had some issues (laughs) with these kinds of things on every level, but ultimately it does come down to the people in those higher up positions to be aware of these things and to take care of it and not to be part of it. And so ever since all this has happened and these conversations have been happening, um, and it's a little hard right now with the COVID stuff because that's been the main focus, but we were actually prior to to that to March um, or February, we were actually getting some really good momentum from the PNCC and the other groups on working with our CNO and our leadership on different ways that we can make sure that these things are being addressed because our hospital's culture really needed an overhaul. I think with, honestly, with the COVID stuff going on, it's in a way kind of helped because it's had to open up a lot more. It's it's making, you know, us on the floor and the leadership have to work on a different capacity Uh, in that kind of state of emergency where we didn't know what was going to happen. And I think it's opened up a lot more people to feeling like we're more working as a team right now. Uh, I don't know if this feeling will last forever, but I think it has helped a lot because we've had to see our leadership really step in and work their buns off in different ways. These past few months, working a lot of hours, having the managers to stay much longer and longer shifts and longer days in a row than before. Um, So everybody's put their time in right now. And I think that's given more respect on both sides, but Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll see what happens.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I do get kind of worried though. Cause so yeah, especially when your leadership is working all these extra hours and then you add the, this, this COVID thing, it's like, Mm -hmm. you don't know what it's going to morph into. And then we're all of a sudden like, you know, it's like, it's like a, a question of mortality because we don't really know a lot about it. Right. Right. And then you're like working all these hours and then you come home. It's like, okay, so say I was working, I just kind of put myself in that person's shoes. I'm working 60 hours a week. I have a time, I have time to take a breath mm-hmm. going home. And and then I'm like, you know, I could have gotten this COVID thing and then, you know, got, and I'm I'm not taking care of myself. So like, I'm putting myself mm-hmm. at more risk of, of the effects of it right like is this going to make people reevaluate like maybe 60 hours a week isn't good for me <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that like and then maybe i can start you know asking the nurses that i work with or it's like my hope you know it's right like well thing. actually or like if they ask the nurses to like take on some of those tasks and then we mm-hmm. start to you know get work more cohesively Right. Well, maybe a pipe dream.
1: Well, to be honest, it's um, possible. Well, yeah. And, and I don't, you know, if, and when this all settles down and our hospital's actually been okay, you know, uh, numbers with COVID patients have not been, um, to, to scary threatening amounts. So we've been doing well. And so they're starting to, you know, open up elective procedures and whatnot, um, and allowing that for now. But have you read, our new memorandum of understanding that our executive
0: team. I briefed over it for the stuff that I like out of yeah. it. Yeah. The, the, our, the, our hospital system actually negotiated with us mm-hmm. really, really soon. You know, we're in a, in a good spot here in the state, even amongst represented facilities where they're willing to sit down with us and, and um, listen to our requests of things that we need to maintain our practice and maintain our, our self care.
1: Right. And respecting the fact that we have this union contract, that, you know, granted, we're in a state of emergency in the state and we were having to prepare for whatever could come and could happen. But it was really great for our ONA executive team, uh, nurses, to make sure that our hospital leadership. We're not just throwing our contract out the window yet, you know, <laughs> that um, yeah. that actually, you know, we weren't in such a state that, you know, to just throw out our staffing plans or anything at this point that we actually should beef yeah. up our contract
0: language. Well, there are, I mean, there are hospitals that are doing that.
1: Right. And so I, I do give a lot of kudos to our ONA executive team and our leadership for working quickly, like you said, on getting this memorandum of understanding going and our the negotiations on that um to add to our contract
0: I mean we're really lucky it was a big it was a big part so I you know I moved here from out of the area I came from the Portland area and I was just looking to get out of of a larger city and but I want to stay in Oregon and and the involvement in (laughs) in the whole hospital like I mean people talk about the things that they want they're willing to advocate for each other I mean there is a limit of course, because again, it's a, it's, it's step, it's steps towards that real shared governance that we have. Mm-hmm. But like the the amount of people that are involved and I even saw it during uh, labor negotiations mm-hmm. is it may it, it's both like, it's like it's really leadership good. knows mm-hmm. that we will turn out mm-hmm. and support each other. It's it's amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, you know, after our negotiations last year for our current contract, and then with this going on, (laughs) the COVID, and our team going like, hey, we need better protections. It would have looked pretty, you know, bad um, if our leadership and management didn't, respect that you know like after everything we've gone through and like i just talked about with the you know osbn ruby jason and the incivility bullying um it would look pretty poor if our leadership uh poo-pooed that or tried to beat around the bush on that you would have to talk more with the direct ona executive team on kind of how this went if they're allowed to talk about that but but I'm just happy that, you know, we have this memorandum of understanding that's specific to the COVID situation for our hospital that ensures, you know, that the medical center is is allowing us, to see, or the RNs at least, and I think it extends to our CNAs and other staff too. At this point, our hospital allowed it for all staff to have like extra emergency um, sick leave on top of our PTO and or our Oregon sick leave. So um, that and they're extending that to the end of this year, so it's not just for the duration of our state of emergency it's at this point we get to keep it, which is really awesome, and we can use it towards any sickness at this point because they just want to ensure that, like you were talking about, you know these potential working way overworking, all these people ending up exhausted, they at least are yeah. reflecting the fact that we might get sick and
0: we need protection. And I was just reading, and we didn't even know, like, even with the personal protective, where there's like, even like, whether the protective precautions that we were taking are like appropriate for the thing because it's such a new thing, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh my god, yeah. But yeah. our
1: hospital is actually able to get uh, their hands on a lot more peppers, and um, the new than those newer ones, the Honeywell peppers. So, and uh, granted, we at this point, I'm going to knock on wood, we were not at this point, you know, overtaken by COVID patients. We didn't have a huge surge like what could have happened um, and that we were pre- prepping for. So yeah. we've always been able to hold on to enough PPE at this point, which is great. And the fact that they were able to purchase and get their hands on a lot more PAPERS, I mean, it's it's never gonna be enough if we actually have, have a huge surge, but it's, it's more than we started with. And they did their best to get the training out as quick and as daily as possible being available. I feel like, I feel like as far as leadership goes on this particular incident incidents, um, I think they did a really good job, um, the best they could. I mean, there at the beginning, it seemed a little iffy because there were so many questions about what was proper PPE, were we allowed to wear masks at work if we wanted to, just to protect our patients and our, each other and, you know, from ourselves. And yeah. there was a little hesitation on that because, and I understand, I think they were worried about what if there's a shortage of PPE at the time, which was just, that's just heartbreaking, you know, as a front care, frontline um, healthcare worker yeah. to hear that's like, scary. well, sorry, too bad, you know, <laughs> just good luck. Yeah. And I know it wasn't just our hospitals everywhere, but so I think at some point, you know, a few weeks into that and with our A nurses really going, hey, that's not cool. <laughs> like give us some sort of protection. Our leadership was able to go, okay, we have enough at this point. Let's, let's, yeah, let's not allow to be contaminating other people in case they're asymptomatic carriers so i i honestly feel like after those first few weeks that this was ramping up i think our hospital has done a pretty good job keeping things fairly under control again yeah. i am on a unit where our census dropped so much that a lot of us are getting low census every day so to be honest i've had a lot of days off that i was not in yeah. thing um and it's I, been good and bad
0: i it's like, that is like a new concern, like, that right. I'm kind of worried about with that nurses, and, you know, like, <laughs> OR nurses, like, operating room nurses, right. and, yeah, per DMs, because the hospitals are, like, they're, like, ghost towns right now. Right. Just, we've, we've been preparing for this thing, mm-hmm. and thankfully, I'm, I mean, I'm hoping that because we took all the right steps, we've avoided this for right. this season. Right, and I just hope um, our
1: hospital system doesn't do anything too like, decision-wise, like, too quickly and too
0: you know I'm just, you know rush trying, back into it yeah like rush
1: into well also or like try to make I mean, up
0: lost ground mm-hmm. and right people well i'm yeah.
1: hoping that they don't just cut a bunch of staff in the moment because we are so yeah small. i mean that would be really dumb but um
0: and then come all know. you flu and covid right in.
1: like come a few months from now oh, no. so i really hope that they do their best to make sure the staff gets to stay that we get to hold our jobs down. I mean, granted us in unions, it's always a little, little bit more protection there, but um, we just never know. I mean, there's always that potential threat in the back of our minds about, well, what if this is so slowed down or for now that they have to reorganize and get rid of this section or whatever. Um, I know there's some nurses in the short stay unit and the, you know, CDU and all these different units that are not feeling great because they're not getting these hours. They're not Some of these units haven't been open for now and the staff is just not feeling very secure. So it's just interesting to figure out what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. It's it's like a good, this is just a good example of, it's so important to be engaged, but stay engaged. Mm -hmm. And if you are in a place that doesn't have the same kind of structure that we have start to implement those, because we're, this is, this is crazy stuff Mm -hmm. that we're dealing Mm -hmm. with.
1: But my thing is, you know, it's just a matter of time that, the doors can open back up somewhat and um, we're going to have a lot of sick, like normal sick people, <laughs> our, our usual folks and people needing their yeah. surgeries. You know, I, I feel like we will see a tidal wave of people come the next few months if this doesn't surge and peak again. So I really hope holds on to as much staff as possible as they financially can right now, because I think we're all going to be needed very much and not too far out. So I'm just telling people yeah. hold on you know <laughs> yeah. we're always going to be needed <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so i'm just um i was just reading about the the petition that ona is supporting for frontline health workers to sign to go to Kate brown our governor to just help ensure um, and push our support for other hospital systems to to work on ensuring that they have similar protections to what our memorandum of understanding you know with our leadership that we've been able to be granted apparently there's a lot of facilities that are not doing that for their workers and not ensuring more sick sick paid time and just those protections so so there is that petition out right now (laughs) that they need a bunch of signatures for to go towards
0: yeah, I think it's really good, especially when we're we have you know we're involved. You know, we're all involved, and we're very aware of what our professional organization does, our labor part of the professional organization does, and mm-hmm. to like reach out with those types of measures, so so that like you and know they, they know that it, that all the hospitals that are represented work with each other too. We work to support each other. We all don't right. just you know it's it's not just having to stick up for yourself at the hospital it, that you work and your coworkers, but you know, we do it for all of each other.
1: Right. It's uh, really cool. Yeah. And I was just reading that thing, the news report about our next door neighbor hospital, Mackenzie Lamott, the only other acute care hospital system here in this area that um, yeah. the nurses
0: profit one.
1: Well, yeah, that's true. It's is a, a different job functioning job. type, but they're still yeah. unionized and they don't have, these same protections that we were able to negotiate at this point, and they're feeling very worried um, because of that. So that just kind of goes to show you this discrepancy, um, and why I'm like, oh, you know, thank you to our our hospital leadership for working with us on this, and without too much, you know, headache or anything, and our team for pushing for this. And I really hope Mackenzie Lamit and other hospitals. Can be granted similar protections because we're all, you know, that could be you or I working over there. You know that we're we're in not as great um, shape for for being supported by our the system that we're working for. So so that's what the petition for is to really show, like you said, collectively, it shouldn't just be pick and choose which facilities going to be protecting their workers. It should be all of them on at least the same level. yes yeah because we're all doing the same work and for our communities in the same way as best we can so i don't know i to me in the end it'll look it'll it'll be really telling to see which companies and which types of you know places really do their best to work with their workers versus not i know there's always financial component there's always financial component but like you said, there are for-profit groups. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know. <laughs>
0: yeah, but I have no idea. I just don't get that at all. Right.
1: <laughs> but um, you know, I and one thing I try to teach all the new hire nurses at the little new caregiver uh, orientation piece I do um, about ONA A is is really that's tough. right. Yeah, yeah. So I do that with all the new RN hires on that are in the bargaining units. Yeah, you.
0: Yeah, you get a half an hour to go explain mm-hmm. why it's important to be. Uh, represented.
1: Yeah. And I get them signed up since it's a, a part of our condition of employment at Sacred Heart. Yeah. But um, I do try to stress that uh, being a part of ONA and ONA on, on a whole has a really strong political presence. Uh, if you're interested in that stuff at all, you know, going to lobby day two years ago was really eye opening for me to see all these really amazing nurses come together throughout the state and be able to talk to our local legislators about really important, you know, laws that we want to see happen or bills to be pushed through uh, that relate to our community and public health and, you know, access to healthcare and all that stuff. And it was just amazing to me because I didn't realize, like, wow, we have. They take us seriously. They take nurses very seriously, especially when we're in a big group. <laughs> and yeah. um and, and we're
0: like we are the most trusted profession
1: oh yeah for sure that's what like 18 years in a row now or something.
0: But, but it makes sense i mean but it makes sense if if you just did it for the paycheck how long do it's so this work is so difficult right. how long do you think you'd last right. if it wasn't something bigger oh. i really care about what my patients go through. like i want my patients to have a good experience because It's not about it's not about profits for me. Right. If it was, I I wouldn't I wouldn't have made it this far.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, people some people are like, Oh, the money's really good. Well, especially one if you're in your union. You're you're
0: earning it. You earn it. You earn it.
1: (laughs) And I feel like there's many other types of work out there that you can make similar money, if not even more, and not deal with this level of potential emotional and psychological stress that we go through and even physical. Um, yeah so yeah there's nurses we tend to be fixer people <laughs> uh, yeah. givers and
0: fixers I, I think it's a it's a good reason why it, like I like to say get involved in advocating for yourself yes. and others because we, we like to fix things and so it, it <laughs> for me it's always like renewed my interest in nursing and it's kept me going yeah in, in all my practices right
1: well otherwise you end up burned out and kind of looking, yeah. looking around going like, Oh wait, why is my body falling apart and my mental state falling apart? And just know your limits, you know, uh, yeah. and people, Horrible. people ask me, you know, cause I'm pretty, diem. I've been pretty diem for a long time. So it waxes and wanes on how much I'm working, but um, I like it that way. Because when I know I've hit that kind of burnout, starting to go towards burnout level, I know I can rein it back as much mm-hmm. as I want. <laughs> and I know not everybody's yeah. in a position to do that, but um, it works well for me and to be able to be, uh, involved with all these extra, you know, councils, committees, the ONA and a stuff on the side. Being per diem has really allowed me to to focus on those things more than maybe somebody who's working full time, <laughs> same hours every yeah. week. You know, I can. And
0: it's something we should just be advocating. I mean, I feel like everybody working should be advocating for that in whatever their profession is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's nice that you have that experience where you're like, well, I, I really understand the benefits on what that does for you. Right. You have to have that.
1: Well, and I, I don't know, if maybe you're similar, but I'm, I'm the type of person who I can go 150% full speed ahead. And I often do that. And then I do kind of burn myself on both ends. That's just how I've always functioned. Even as a kid, my mom would always have to take me aside and go, Kendra, you're burning both ends of your candle. And I wouldn't understand <laughs> what you meant. I'd be like, no, I'm not. And I'd be staying up all night working on a project for school, you know, just, just, total weirdo perfectionist um, for whatever reason. And I find that a lot of nurses are like that. We're type A perfectionist, uh, but super also at the same time, like not confident half the time, you know, like we're confident, but not confident <laughs> um, yeah. in ourselves. And and so it's like, we want to go above and beyond just to prove we're doing everything we can, the best we can. And it's always for somebody else <laughs> usually. So understanding your limits and For me, I know I will, I tend to go all out and I have to recognize that I can't do that all the time. Otherwise I'm going to not like myself and not like the lack of sleep and not, you know, get burned out. So just making sure you have a proper amount of days off and that you're rejuvenating yourself in whatever ways that work and not thinking too hard about work stuff all the time outside of work too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, shoot, with, with all this like home, being at home, mm-hmm. you know, like all the time, yeah. I feel like it's like kind of given us that opportunity to do that a lot more.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing people deal life? with. Go yeah, I'm I'm seeing, and maybe you've experienced this, but I'm seeing people like where it, it's, not like the disease, but it's very bipolar. Like, um, one day you're feeling great, you know, you going to do that hobby that you've always been into, but haven't had time for exercising more or whatever, cooking food, doing things that you love, feeling really good. And then the next day you just feel like you don't know what you're doing with your life.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and then, and then, and then forgiving yourself for not doing anything. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's,
1: I don't know about you. I have a hard time with that. Yeah. I I have a hard time being idle. Um, I need to be doing stuff all the time. Um, so relearning. Yeah. I'm relearning how to just chill and be okay with not, you know, that productivity is not always equivalent to happiness and feeling good and success. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard, you know, especially when we're involved with these, all these different things and committees, councils and people relying on you, you know, in different ways to keep momentum going. So Doing my best.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. So you're, so you're doing uh, PNCC, you're doing your unit-based council. Um, you're the, yeah, you're the person who introduces everybody to our, to labor whenever they first start at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's, uh, what, what el- um, what's next on the horizon for you coming up? Oh man. I guess um, you got a lot of work just doing your unit-based, right? And then, and professional, <laughs> the, what is it, Professional nurse. Um,
1: oh, advanced. Nurse. Uh, the PNAP, is that what you're talking about? Or oh no, pr-
0: pr- professional nurse nursing care committee. Uh, care committee. Yeah,
1: right yeah. There. And yeah. that that one um, it's it's been a little struggle because of not being able to do face to face meetings with the whole group. Still working on keeping the mem- momentum with that because we help uh, review and analyze the unsafe staffing reports that come in from all the Sacred Heart and UD or sorry, Riverbend and UD. Nurses were helping oversee, you know, what happens with our education funds. And again, we were part of that work with the bullying and incivility and uh, trying to, we're we're looking into a new kind of thing that we want to, we would like to see implemented in the future, kind of like a safety stop, but called a practice pause. Again, that's not happening yet. We're trying to still build some research around that, although there's not a whole lot out there, but what that would entail, because- we have safety stops, but we wanted something that more can address things that happen during shifts or during work time, where nurses feel like their license is on the line potentially because of the okay. situation, or um, being asked to do something or being told to do something in a way, or not being having the protections, including just having available policy and protocol, you know, available for us that's updated yes. on on our. SharePoint site, you know, stuff like that, like where somebody could call a practice pause and have that addressed in the moment.
0: Oh, that's great. That'd be so so good for safety.
1: Yeah. So again, it's still a total work in progress. It's something that our group has just started looking at doing prior to the COVID stuff breaking out. And we're working with, you know, our CNO and our ONA folks on what this would look like. And yeah, so we're still gathering data about that. There's two or three nurses in the PNCC that have, they're kind of more on that task force working on that right now. Uh, so we're still trying to figure out, because we have had a lot of new membership that got voted on in the past few months, trying to reestablish who's doing what with this group. Because our current, or sorry, our past chair, he's still a member, but Patrick Hubbard, he he really turned this group around in the past two years that he was chair and made it really active and really activist and more of a checks and balance on leadership and we're still trying to figure out where we fit in the world with all of the different committees and shared governance, but we are, uh, I think the only committee that's written into our, our ONA contract, that's its own separate entity that exists. That's no management. It's just floor nurses that make, make up this group. Um, and we work really closely with ONA to make sure, you know, all this stuff is moving forward and we're trying to build a better way of we're working along with our ona executive team too to make sure we're not uh double working stuff so so it's it's still a lot of movement there and room for figuring out exactly our purview (laughs) of what we're doing but i i'm pretty excited about the practice pause um situation because that's that's a piece that's trying to come out of that those reports that were coming out about bullying and the toxic culture in our hospital, and yeah. us trying to figure out a way. To it, is
0: address just, it. it is just like that. Yeah, it's just like that in healthcare. Yeah. It's, I like to hear it. And I, I mean, I do see it. It's like I like to see that, like, we have these, it's like everything, you know, you have, we have these horrible cycles.
1: I know. And we're
0: trying to break them. I, know. I love it. Yeah. I, know. I love it.
1: And yeah, and the yeah. idea is hopefully to keep enough members and staff members aware of these committees and groups that exist. Um and I know Patrick was working really hard to make sure there's always a handful of alternates people that are interested in eventually being part of the group or just want to be in the know and help out where they can, but they're not true members yet. But just so they're lined up next and that they can continue the work and know what's going on and be supportive or step in when somebody can't make it to a meeting just to keep that word out there of what this work is being done. Because like I was talking about with my unit-based council. When you suddenly have all, almost all, brand new staff, and you know a lot more new people on your group, and having to like re-explain how it all works—if you even know, you know—if you're the leader and you even know how it works—and sometimes it is good to reinvent the wheel—but oftentimes you need to know the historical context of where it came from, so you're not just going too much in circles. <laughs> so exactly, yeah. So, uh but it's exhausting you know, over time because any of these committees. There's, like you said, there's. cycles of goods and bads and um sometimes the the bad stuff when you constantly are hearing about it and dealing with it and trying to help solve these problems again as fixers at some point you get burned out so so just trying to balance out all these different aspects of
0: work (laughs) yeah it's it it, yeah I I can't say how much I appreciate when other people come and step in and take your spot because sometimes yeah, you need to step back right. and take care of your job. And I think that's important. Just like everything, just like work and, yeah, it's great. Right. It's it's
1: And it's, that's just, I think that's going to be one of the most important things is, and for our nurses to stay strong um, is to, well, all, all you know, obviously we're working towards building better overall relationship with our administrators and the leadership of hospital leadership, because I think if if we can really make an actual, you know, less toxic culture there and a better working relationships with our leadership where they can truly be trusted not just have the title then I think nurses can really flourish and CNAs and everybody else right now it's still a little iffy <laughs> yeah everybody would flourish and I think I know that's an idea behind it but you know going back to what Ruby Jason said during her presentation it really stuck out to me but she she said you know just because somebody has the title leader um, on their name tag or uh, their job description doesn't actually mean that they're really truly a good leader or a leader at all that just means they have a title and she said a real leader is somebody where people that they work for um or that work for them actually want to be led by them
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, and i'm exactly. like uh, oh. because you know some That's people so just true. walk in and have the title and that does not mean that they're a good leader so once we can establish you know a better checks and balance system on what constitutes as a good leader and making sure that we're not Uh, allowing, you know, insidious kind of underlying bullying going on or, you know, not great stuff.
0: Yeah, alternative All
1: that stuff, yeah. Um, And there's always going to probably be a level of that, but if, if the overall culture is not that, that'll be really great. But then keeping our nurses and CNAs really involved in these different committees and lining people up to take over, like you said, and including, like, encouraging them to try out those, you know, being the chair of or being, you know, in a certain position of these different groups and roles, yeah. Like you said, to you know exemplify their leadership style and to try it out, see where they go with it. It's really cool to see some of my new nurses, newer nurses. Some of them you can just tell they already have that. They already have that drive in them. They already have that pull with people. And to to have them step into those positions is really cool. And then to try and find the ones that maybe aren't so obvious even, and just. Kind of bringing them yeah, just in. Try it out. yeah, and encouraging yeah. them to try it out and expand beyond. Tons
0: on. of people out there who, who want to encourage you to, to they want there's, there's plenty of people who will encourage you and you know will give you guidance along the way.
1: Right, right, and and that's I think it's really cool. But it's it's good to just know your limits too, and not to just do a bunch of stuff and keep going at something that maybe you're not truly impassioned by anymore, just because everybody else wants you to I, I'm finding that with some people that are in council or committees leadership where uh, they're good at it but you can tell when they're getting burned out and I think it's important that we we protect you know people in those roles yeah so you can tell
0: advocate for them to, and to take a break yeah
1: yeah definitely <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and it You're is like we'll get, we got you right yeah.
1: it's good to have term limits on you know honestly like maybe not just every year but maybe at least every two years for certain things um, to ensure that people aren't getting burned out too and, and to give other people a chance, you know? So, so I don't know what's next for me though. Honestly, I, I just want to keep doing this type of work. Uh, I feel like there's still so much that I don't understand that I don't know. And every day I learn something new as far as, yeah. you know, my own leadership style, um, the different things going on in our hospital and ONA. So,
0: but well, I'm ex- I'm always excited to hear about what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Yeah, no, I uh, do appreciate you sitting with me. I'd like to do it again sometime. Yeah. For sure. Down the line for but, sure. But yeah, and cuz yeah, I mean I just you, you know, you just you've done and there's still there's other instances that, of things that I've seen you do and accomplished and you're just a really great person to be around. You get people fired up. <laughs> I mean from from top down, I'm I'm you know like uh I I people ask questions about you <laughs> in all levels of in all like peers and all in all areas of leadership and nursing so yeah well, I really uh, appreciate all you do thank you And I'm so glad to uh that I got to kind of share you know who you are and I just I just like hope that it inspires people who see them like something about you and themselves
1: I hope so too because I never see myself that way but whatever works for people, you know? And I, yeah, it'd be awesome actually for somebody to turn this around and interview you sometime (laughs) because you on the same level, you've been really involved with all sorts of really neat things too, and leadership and, and it'd be cool to hear about your background as well someday.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe if you do, if we do this again, you can do that to me. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. Get a panel Uh interviewing, you Well, thanks for, well,
0: thanks again. Yeah, We're keeping, I'll I'll check in with you from time to time and see if we want to do this again. And yeah, I just, thank you so much for your time. Yeah.
1: Thanks, Paul. This has been awesome.
0: Yeah. You're the best.